I'm your host, DJ Fish. Uh, it is a special bonus episode this time. Maybe this week. I don't know if I'm putting out two episodes this week. I don't know for sure what day I'm releasing this. I have a lot of questions. But the point is, it's a special episode. I have a special guest to talk about Halloween and generally spooky-themed television. It's a, it's a spooktacular. Uh, my, my guest is a... A former writer for the former website known as Spunky Bean. Uh, my guest is, is a man who hosts multiple podcasts that have both premises and listeners, which are two things I can only aspire to. Uh, my guest is Letty. Hey, Hi. I'm so happy to be here. I'm always happy to be involved with any spooktacular. <laughs> that's that's your thing. I. I should have mentioned you are the first person who ever had me on a podcast and also the most recent person to have me on a podcast. <laughs> and if I'm being honest, the only person to have me on a podcast. <laughs> I, I'm making it sound like there was a distinguished career between the first and second. Uh, well, at first and first and most recent, but uh, uh no, you're the only pod. You're the only gracious podcast host in my life. And more people should have you on because I love I love hearing you talk about TV. And that's pretty much all I know how to talk about. <laughs> and so we're we're specifically, uh, in theory, talking about uh, uh, spooky slash Halloween themed television. Uh, because when I when we do a special bonus episode here, we like to have a guest and have it be a semi-specific tv topic uh so just to kick things my question for you and i will preface this by saying i am not necessarily a horror guy although i managed to think of some uh terrifying television that i enjoy but where where are you where are you as a horror person where what's what's your journey with terror yeah so i i am a horror fan in the sense that I like a lot of things that happen to be horror, but I feel like when you say horror fan, a lot of people picture there's like people who just judge things solely on how scary they are, you know? And mm -hmm. if they see something that's not scary, they're like, uh, not scary, zero stars. And that's, that's definitely not me. Most of the things I like are like, you know, Buffy, Supernatural. Um, it doesn't really bother me if it's, you know, uh, just bad CGI demons punching people. So, so you're you're not super into the the gore aspect of it necessarily. Yeah, um, yeah, I like some things that are like more intense. Um, but yeah, I'm de I'm definitely not here specifically for the gore. Okay, that that's a relief, or we'd be very very far spread. I, I I'm a <laughs> I'm a delicate flower, and uh, I, when I say recently, I can't judge how recent it was because of pandemic times, but it was right. it was pre-horrors. I almost walked out of a movie where David Tennant played a serial killer because it made me so uncomfortable, uh, and I knew I was going to watch bad things happen for the next 40 minutes before some kind of comeuppance happened. I'm like, I can't handle this. Yeah, I... I wouldn't say I'm like a like a delicate flower. <laughs> um, like I watched Squid Game and I saw a lot of people be like, "This is so disturbing and tense." And I I honestly think Squid Game is just fun. Um, 
I kind of like I found it incredibly tense. I didn't find it as like horrifyingly. Vi- I mean, you know, in that one episode, hundreds of people get shot playing red light. Yeah, but it's not like I feel like the way I heard people talk about it, I thought there would be more saw stuff. But it is basically entirely people get shot with a gun and immediately die. Yeah, there's a big squib and that's it. Uh, th- there was an episode where one of the ones where people fall from a great height where they showed some brain and I got very, <laughs> I got very queasy from that. Uh-huh. I think, <laughs> I feel like generally TV is pretty safe, but I guess especially now with streaming, there's definitely more like I've heard, uh, I've heard Hemlock Grove is disgusting and also Hannibal, uh, I was rewatching that this morning and I still can't believe the thing where people are sewn together was on NBC. That's <laughs> that was a network show almost 10 years ago. It is, they were promoting it during the office. <laughs> there would just be straight up ads for this. Yeah. A killer making, making a, a monument out of pieces of different animals and people. That would just be the ad. Uh, that I, I'm actually glad you brought that up because that's maybe my favorite uh, show that most closely abuts horror. I'm probably using abuts incorrectly. <laughs> I don't think I've even ever heard that word before, so I, w- I won't be able to correct you. All right. I feel like I've, I've seen it in print, but I, I don't think people use it because they don't want to sound dumb. <laughs> but Hannibal was one of those... Like, I liked Silence of the Lambs just fine, and the other Hannibal movies were too gross for me because once somebody starts eating brains on screen, I'm 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 out. And there was some really upsetting imagery in Hannibal, and I couldn't get enough of that show. <laughs> We're oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just to say, I know from I I've see, I saw you tweeting about it today, and I think you are generally less enthusiastic about it than I am. Yes, I do not get the appeal of Hannibal. Uh, unfortunately, I signed a deal with the devil and I have to just keep rewatching any show that people claim is good until I, uh, until I get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand the appeal of that one. Let me tell you about that deal with the devil. I thought I had a similar thing, but once my sister confessed to me that she could not get into the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I went, I can't either. And then I got to stop caring. It was so great. (laughs) And there are still people in my life. I would not let know that. And if they listen to this, I'll, I'll, I'll feel like I've been deceiving them by pretending I'm behind on it. When in fact, I've made it through four episodes and quit. (laughs) That's still behind. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, so what what what's you mentioned a couple shows, but do you, do you have like a, a favorite horror style show? Or I know you've got a lot of supernatural favorites that I would I would love to hear you talk about because we've we've discussed them in the past and it's you've got stuff to say. Yes, let me actually see what my what I put for my favorite horror show on my blog recently because I don't want to contradict myself. Ah, continuity is important. Yeah, exactly. 
I don't want someone in a genius at work t-shirt to be like, oh, put your plugs in. Um, okay, so yeah, this is what I thought. Uh, my favorite is definitely Buffy, uh, which is, it's kind of like a hard sell now because the dialogue style and the look of it are extremely dated. Um, but I, you know, I watched it when I was 12 and it just blew my mind and became my favorite thing ever. And, um, you know, made me decide I want to write TV. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely number one. Um, I think if you can get past. Uh, the dialogue does have a lot of a. Uh, so that happened and like. Uh, why did I just say that? Why am I saying things? Uh, kind of quality to it. Um, right, and it but does... contextually, that was sort of before that was was a trope, kind of. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's why it's like hard for new people to come in, you know. Yeah, and you know, elephant in the room, the, the very fact of who Joss Whedon is turning out to be is a bit of a. Yeah. You know, that's. <laughs> It's I keep thinking I need to actually get into Buffy, but it's such a like this is weird. But my standard is always like if somebody kind of turned out to be a monster, it's OK if I watch something that I watched and enjoyed before, because now it's part of my story. <laughs> like I can watch the usual suspects or an occasional Kevin Spacey movie that I enjoyed previously. Although the more he's in it, the more difficult it is to enjoy it on any level. But it's a lot. I, I'm certainly not going to go, hey, I wonder what Louis C.K. projects are coming out down the pike, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> and not to compare Joss Whedon to either of those two legitimate monsters. He's just sort of a dick who treated some people badly. Yeah. And maybe got his wife deported. Yes, God, so weird. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of a that's kind of been putting me off but i i and i regret it because I, I wish i'd watched it when i didn't have to go through it with going boy he was really mean to charisma carpenter yeah yeah but uh, i'm sorry i interrupted you got let's let's hear you've got a list let's hear some more oh sure um yeah do you want me to just we don't have to talk about all of them but i can read off a top 10 and then maybe uh yeah you know if there are any yeah talk about um yeah so my number two is Bates Motel uh especially the first season of that um I thought was just perfect and then uh oh I should clarify this is sort of like spooky shows or shows with horror elements but they're not all actually um that serious or that scary so then my number three mm -hmm. is uh Losa Spookies on HBO oh um, which is this really great uh comedy uh and it's about these sort of horror fans and fans and uh, they do horror effects, but also there are real paranormal creatures in this world. Um, and that's really great. And then, so my number four is stranger things, which I actually, I feel like is not cool to like anymore, but like I rewatched season two and season three a lot. And I feel like the people who thought there was a dramatic decline are imagining that. Uh, I don't know personally, uh, number five, Supernatural, which legitimately did have a decline, but it's still like, you know, six good seasons <laughs> is pretty fucking good, you know? Right. Yeah, it was on. It was on for you know the to raise a child into adulthood. There's a decline is inevitable. Yeah. 
Um, and then, uh, so like I said, there there's stuff with spooky elements, but not necessarily actual horror. So uh, number six and number seven, Adventure Time and Gravity Falls, uh, which are both really great kids shows. Uh, Eight, Scream on MTV. Uh, I think that was a great show that lived up to the legacy of the movies. Uh, doesn't seem like it took off that much, but uh, I definitely think it's worth checking out. Uh, number nine is Undone, which I weirdly was like, does that get classified as horror? And then I thought about it and I was like, it is a paranormal murder mystery that takes place on Halloween and has what could be described as a ghost <laughs> in it. I don't know why I'm like, is that horror in hell? <laughs> uh, but I guess warning to people. The only element it was missing. <laughs> the, the only element it was missing is it wasn't introduced by the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to... Amazon Prime, or should I say Amazon Scream? Um, I was going to say Amazon Grime, which doesn't oh, that's really so much work, better. at least it's a pun. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I wish I'd prepared a better pun, but you nailed it. Um, and then rounding it out, my number 10 is Black Mirror, uh, which obviously is very hit or miss. Uh, but the the episodes of it that are that are good are just so good. Uh, there was a while <laughs> after USS Callister first came out when I was watching it every day. <laughs> uh, so that, that lands at a spot in the top 10. That's good. Like Black Mirror is a show that, like you say, it's very hit or miss. Mm -hmm. It maybe isn't one I would have thought of because like in my brain, I have a hard time squaring science fiction and horror like it like so often a, a like creators have to pick a lane and it can either have science fiction elements or supernatural elements and I realize that's not a rule it's just a thing people do mm -hmm. like and you know, when when obviously something like like Alien, which is one of the biggest franchises in the world, is is sci-fi horror. But in my, I think it, the problem is I was warped by Doctor Who, <laughs> which for all the insane things on that show, steadfastly refuses to let anything have a supernatural explanation. <laughs> they will have an episode about ghosts, and then it, and then it's always well, no, what they are is. Uh, you know, people from another timeline trapped in between dimensions manifesting into our world. It's like, come on, Peter Capaldi, just say ghosts. <laughs> you just know, I, ghosts. I don't have that as much with sci-fi and horror, but the thing that always gets me is like crime versus horror, because that does feel very arbitrary that like Hannibal and Dexter are largely considered to be horror, but then like something like you, uh, the Lifetime Show, or um, or like Mindhunter. Uh, like there's a lot of stuff that is equally like about grisly murders or like sometimes I see True Detective season one on lists of the best horror shows and it's like, yeah, I guess. But like, I also see, <laughs> it's just weird because there's also grisly horrors. There's also like, grizzly murders on like NCIS and criminal minds. So I'm just like, always like, where's the line there? Yeah. It's not super clear. I hadn't thought of that, but it's, uh, uh, like true. I think maybe true detective. The reason that, especially the first season is the one that gets called out is 
for most of it, they pretended there might be a supernatural element to it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's not even so much in the show. It was kind of in the marketing and the way people responded and everybody was trying to crack what the Yellow King is. And, you know, they didn't do that in other seasons where it was more just straightforward crime. But, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's like I definitely wouldn't have thought of that as horror. But I, I if somebody said it, I wouldn't fight with them, partly because I don't really, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to fight with anybody. Um, I'm going to I don't have a list like you, so I don't have to worry about continuity. <laughs> Great. And. Uh, so I, I, I'll just rattle off, uh, rattle off a couple of, see if any of them have, uh, have, have hit the, the Lenny landscape as they call it. Uh, I mentioned Hannibal, uh, which we are apparently bitter enemies on. <laughs> well, in fairness, that would mean I would have to be enemies with like almost everyone else who loves TV. <laughs> it's so true. funny. I like, I watched the pilot of Hannibal and I was, I my reaction was I was like, this looks like shit and the lead guy can't act and has no charisma. And I kind of imagined that it would get four episodes and like that would be the consensus. And it has been crazy just uh, every year I get more and more in the minority about this. It does feel like it's growing. Yeah. Like, it's When it was first out, it seemed like it was only <laughs> like... Uh, uh, mid to mid to very famous comedians who were enjoying it, like yes. Paul F. Tompkins and Todd Berry, were all all on the Hannibal train immediately. It was really weird. <laughs> um, and as I said, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a a, a flower. Um, I really liked Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah, which I is can... oh no, go on. I've talked about oh. Ash versus Evil Dead so much. I want to hear what you say. I was just going to say, I really need to watch all of that. I've only seen um, some episodes, but I've really liked uh, everything that I've seen. It's, despite me not really being into horror, this could not be more aimed straight up my alley. Like, the the one horror thing I really love is the Evil Dead franchise, and that's largely because of Ash. And having a show where he is, <laughs> he he's getting older and just trying to impress women at bars with tales of the time he fought zombies <laughs> and like bruce campbell is just flat out visibly older and he's got a gut now when he's going gray and that's all sort of incorporated into the character and uh you know i love the the I mean, it's set in Michigan, and they get Michigan dirtbags so right in a way I've never seen on television before. <laughs> it is anytime he meets up with people he knew in high school, I'm like, yep, that's, <laughs> that is a subculture these people are familiar with. And I like the way that played with sort of the, just sort of built on the lore of these movies that are very loosely connected and contradict each other and one of the three movies they're not even allowed to directly reference mm -hmm. um which is why he doesn't have his his robotic hand when the series starts and they have to build it for him over the course of the show <laughs> because army of darkness is partly owned by other people so they can never reference it wow yeah it's weird but uh you know you know just oh sorry 
Oh, uh, I was just going to say something crazy to me about Ash versus Evil Dead is that IFC made that show Stan versus Evil. And it's so crazy that there was a parody of a show that is first off not very popular and second off already a comedy on at like the same time. <laughs> that was actually going to come up for me because I it's actually Stan against Evil. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so it's. It was in development for so long. I don't think it was a parody. It was a. It seemed to me to be more of a, like a a, a take on different genres of horror. Okay. I really liked uh, like like Stand Against Evil partly because uh, several times I live tweeted it and Janet Varney told me I was doing a good job. Aww. So yeah, you that, know I ride or die. That definitely makes a lot more sense, but I. Like, having watched Ash vs. Evil Dead watch the pilot of that show and was like, yep, this is a parody. <laughs> I guess it was just weird timing. It It is weird timing, but, it, like, they did a, they had a kaiju episode, and um, it's, it, the pilot is definitely sort of along the Evil Dead lines. Mm-hmm. But as it went on, it didn't feel like a lot of similarity, and I know Dana, uh, Dana Gould was always upset that people made that, like, lumped them in together. Mm-hmm. As, which, you know, probably let it be lumped in together because if people like one, they'll probably like the other. <laughs> um, that was, but that that show got killed by the fact that every season was six episodes and then IFC, as is its want, did two episodes every week. So they just burned through a season in three weeks. Oh, wow. Um. That that was a show that had a cool premise and always ended on a great cliffhanger, and uh, which is dangerous when you're in constant danger of being canceled. <laughs> and then, and then, whoops. Um, oh, actually, it's it's hard to talk horror shows without at least addressing like the biggest horror franchise on TV, and I I don't know if you have any opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Is a uh, the the Walking Dead family of shows. Oh yeah, um, I basically have no opinion on it. I've watched some Walking Dead, some Fear the Walking Dead, and it's just basically like it's hard to think of anything interesting to say about it. It's like yeah. I walk away from every episode being like, yeah, that's the Walking Dead. Yeah, I. I enjoyed it for a few seasons there, and partly it was because it was one of those one of those shows where it was fun to talk about the next day because everybody watched it. Mm-hmm. And it fell off, and it fell off like instantly for me. There was just a moment when I realized, oh, I don't care about this anymore. And also, I, you know, I sort of noticed it was super right wing, which is, <laughs> which coming around 2016 really got to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And I saw this this chart the other day where they show how the since since 2016 actually how how the viewership has gone down and it's like a sixth of what it was 5 years ago. <laughs> and but Fear the Walking Dead which was hilariously bad when it started. Mm-hmm. They did like a sort of a a quasi reboot where it was just suddenly about a different batch of characters <laughs> and suddenly it was great because the main character was Garrett Dillahunt oh nice 
And whereas uh, the the main series is sort of about the like this nihilism where a character actually looks into the camera and says, we are the walking dead. <laughs> uh, Fear the walking dead turned ended up where they went with it was it was a bunch of misfits trying to be like the help desk of the apocalypse mm. where they were like leaving out supply boxes along roads and uh, monitoring sort of radio frequencies so they could help people who needed it, which is kind of the show about the end of the world. I want to see where people are trying to make it better. Mm-hmm. But something about that franchise, they just have, they they feel like on both shows, they always have to split up the cast, sometimes irrevocably. And since they both do like those six or eight episode half seasons, it means you might see your favorite character once every six months. <laughs> and then I haven't watched Walking Dead in years and Fear the Walking Dead detonated a nuclear bomb at the end of last season. And I was kind of hoping you'd seen that because I just need somebody else to know that that was real. But, <laughs> so we're not super into that. Yeah, that definitely The Walking Dead is something that just makes me feel very out of touch because I know it was getting like Super Bowl ratings for a while. And, yeah. I, and I would just like watch it and be like, there's like nothing interesting here. There's nothing to take away. People like the concept of zombies more than you and I do, I think. Like, in general, <laughs> they're just psyched about zombies. Everybody's got a zombie survival plan. and ugh. No, I'm, I'm definitely going to pass away immediately. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I don't wish to live in a world that's in any way inconvenient. <laughs> um. Just so I don't forget to pivot from horror. What about regular TV shows that have Halloween episodes? Yes. Uh, Halloween episodes are, are extremely my jam. Um, to, I might horrify any listeners for a second. I My theme of the past week was uh, Halloween episodes of TV. Uh, and I usually don't check how much I've watched, but I decided for this podcast to like see how many Halloween episodes I watched this week. And it ended up being 95. Oh, dear Lord. I'm very unemployed. Please, anyone <laughs> listening to this, give me a job, because I'm not comfortable with that number. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I really um, did a spit take. <laughs> that's, that's fair. It's upsetting. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, so here's my takeaway, and I feel like, you know, I better have a good a good takeaway after that research. Um, <laughs> but uh, so one of the things I really like about Halloween episodes is that TV shows like really take it as carte blanche to just like do whatever. Like uh, my so-called life is an extremely grounded show, a really earnest show where like all the buzz was about how realistic it was. Um, and they do a Halloween episode where uh, Claire Danes just vividly sees actual ghosts walking around and talking to her. <laughs> and I love that. And I feel like uh, we need to bring that back more. I want to see a succession episode where Kendall becomes a werewolf because it aired <laughs> Halloween week. So that makes it OK. Um, That'll be the third episode of this season. Yes. <laughs> 
they can call it the Wolf of Wall Street. It'll be great. Um, and then on the, uh, <laughs> so I love that aspect of Halloween episodes. And then on the more, the more grounded side, I think they hit some interesting themes about sort of like growing up and the passing of time because there is sort of the thing of like, you know, first you become too old to trick or treat and then you're taking your own kids trick or treating and then they become too old to trick or treat. And um, I think you see a lot of shows do really interesting things with that sort of theme of just uh, kind of reflecting on on the passage of time. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's one of those. One of those holidays that that really does really does bring home the the passage of time you know you kind of celebrate christmas as a christmas person more or less mm -hmm. the same way mm -hmm. but yeah even uh and the whole animated shows are a whole different thing but so many bob's burgers christmas or halloween episodes are about the kids almost being too old to trick-or-treat and then not getting to trick-or-treat that year and it feel where it feels like time is running out but they're eternally children so it actually isn't mm -hmm. but they've had like three or four episodes where something prevents them from having halloween which it's kind of neat actually there's something about foiled childhood that i find fascinating yeah and i think bob's burgers always hones in on really good details like i don't know if it was the first one they ever did but i think really early on they did the one about traveling to the rich neighborhood to get better candy yeah, and uh, yeah and this year uh they did a really good one where bob specifically tries to get the the good candy and then they all just end up being stressed out that they're gonna run out of it and he's by the end he's like i'm never getting good candy again his his visible panic at having too many children in line was very funny. A thing I and this is in contrast, a thing that bugs me on sitcoms is when people have Halloween costumes that clearly were made by a professional and cost thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I, I realize it has to look decent, but that modern family house, they were clearly putting three quarters of their income into turning into a haunted house every year. Yeah, um, I always appreciate when I, f I feel like costume designers, it seems like tend to want to put the best clothes on people possible, which I get. It's like you have dedicated right. your life to fashion. Uh, but I always appreciate when it just looks absolutely terrible, like uh, Nick Miller's B. Arthur costume, where he just wrote <laughs> Arthur on a T-shirt. <laughs> I, I think like, Superstore did a really good job of having costumes that looked like costumes these people who worked at Walmart could afford. Yes, and I you know, love... I love that Dina just keeps wearing hers because it's like, yeah, she if you buy a store bought Halloween costume, just just keep wearing it. And um, it's funny, I realized. Uh, uh, what's the creator's name? Just Justin Spitz. Oh, Justin Spitzer. Uh, he yeah. wrote the episode where uh, Angela on the office goes out and uh, gets a sexy nurse costume. And when I saw that, I was like. Oh, he really likes having the like uptight killjoy in a sexy Halloween costume. <laughs> and you know what? He's right. That is always fun. 
I, I just love the idea that he saw Angela in that outfit and uh, and was like, I want to make a show where I do this every year. <laughs> but also the same costume. I know what I like. And it's going to be specific. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, since we're Bob's Burgers and King of the Hill also did this really well, where even the animated costumes look cheap. Yes. Like the kids' costumes, they they draw tape on the seams, which is very funny, and it's such a nice detail. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love stuff like that. Like, I, um, in contrast, I watched the first Big Bang Theory Halloween, and what was weird about it to me was that they get super excited about making costumes because they're nerds, which makes you think you're going to see, like, some cool, like, homemade Comic-Con type stuff. And then they just show up in the most store-bought Flash costumes imaginable. <laughs> and it, yeah, it was disappointing because it's like, it's a show about nerds. I want to see them be like, oh, I'm Barry Allen from this, you know, this run. So I had to, you know, put this specific stripe on, like, sew this specific stripe on my outfit. <laughs> that is disappointing. Yeah. When has Big Bang Theory ever let us down before? Because I, the, the episode sucked me in because um, when Penny invites them invites uh, them to her party, she mentions it's a costume party and they get super excited. And having watched a whole bunch of sitcoms from that era, I immediately thought that this would be something about women dressing like sluts. And so the fact that they were just super excited to dress as their favorite comic book characters really <laughs> delighted me. <laughs> okay, slight diversion, but it's still on topic. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done a TV-themed Halloween costume? Have I ever done? Yes. Yes, I have. And I always feel like they're super accurate and people never get it. Um, so one year I was like Rip Hunter and it's totally fair for people to not get that because it was like Legends of Tomorrow season one was still airing and it's, you know, <laughs> some shit on the CW. Um, it was five episodes in by that point. Yeah. Uh, but one time I went as uh, Angela and Dwight with a friend of mine and it was it was super accurate. Our photos looked really great, uh, but everyone at the party would look at him and be like, oh, you're obviously Dwight from The Office, and then look at me standing next to him with, you know, the, like, long blonde wig and, like, a beige turtleneck and have no idea who I am. <laughs> and, um... Now I, I own a, a Jughead hat, like, from Riverdale, and uh, the, like, leather j jacket, uh, the, the, like, Serpent's leather jacket. So I've started kind of just doing that every year since I have them around. Um, sometimes not on Halloween. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but what about you? What TV outfits, have, uh, costumes have you done? Uh, maybe the best costume I ever did... Uh, was Kenny Powers. Oh, nice. Back in, in 2014. I remember the year because it was the year when I had my most, shall we say, Kenny Powers-esque body. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 
Yeah, I just I just wore all black and I grew out a mustache and goatee and I, I had the mullet wig and I uh, had the sunglasses and it turns out our faces are not completely dissimilar. So it was actually a pretty good. Like people knew what I was doing. Oh, nice. It was exciting. Mm-hmm. And the one that nobody got and you may not even know when I explain it to you was the year that I was John Turturro's character from The Night Of, <laughs> the HBO miniseries. I definitely watched that recently, but I would I would not recognize it. Did you did you make your foot fucked up for that costume? I feel like that's the yeah. only way I would get it. Here's what I did was I wore cutoffs and wrapped my legs in saran wrap. Oh, that's pretty good. Like he did he, when he had the, the oil and he, he had to do that. And so, yeah, I had sandals. I had my legs completely wrapped in saran wrap. And let me tell you, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like I put maybe more wrapping on them than I should have because I wanted them to, to last the whole night. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like that James Bond movie where they killed a lady by painting her all gold and didn't leave her skin any pores to breathe out of. <laughs> It was, oh, God, it was so bad. And nobody knew what I was because nobody had watched The Night Of. Oh, no. And by the, by was, the end of it, uh, from having your feet all wrapped up, did they end up actually as fucked up as uh, that character's feet are? It kind of did. I had pictures, but I will never show them to anybody because uh, they yes. are messed up. <laughs> Just gross and shiny. <laughs> uh, um, oddly, I can't. Oh, no, I was Dale Grimble one year. Oh, nice. Dale Gribble was my favorite, too, because it's actually an easy costume to do. Yeah, I was going to say, I I bet that's, that seems like it would be popular with people who realize, like, the day before that they didn't have a costume. That, <laughs> I planned it early because I don't have, uh, what do you call, skills? Like, I can't really make things. I had this plan where I was going to make a Henchman 21 costume from Venture Brothers, and it was going to be amazing. And I even bought, like, some of the clothing aspects of it. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, oh, I have to make a mask, and I have to make butterfly wings that I can wear. <laughs> this will not happen. Yeah, I've I've definitely never crafted a costume. <laughs> but uh, uh, for Dale... Uh, you know, it, it was one of it was one of my one of my better ones because it's also very clear who it is. Mm-hmm. But there was back when I was a, a legitimate Internet journalist. Uh, I used to go to a, a film festival in Michigan every year. And I would actually get press passes for it. And I'd gone there like seven or eight years in a row. And for some reason, they kept giving me press passes, even though I did not deserve them for a second. <laughs> And you always have to submit all this stuff. You know, you have to submit a picture that they can put on the pass and all this other information about your website for legitimate Internet journalists like myself. And then the one year, which I think turned out to be the last year they had the festival. So maybe I broke it. Uh, I did. I I requested my pass, my credentials, and I never heard back. And I was like, oh, that's that's fine. I'll just pay for the movie that I was going to see. I, I ran this grift for as long as I possibly could. 
but I'd done it for so long that the people in the press office sort of knew me and they kind of they liked me because I was write really glowing things about them that they could use on websites and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they thought they'd have some fun and they just went to my Facebook page and pulled the picture of me as Dale Gribble and put that on my press pass. <laughs> and for a week, I walked around looking like I was covering the event for Field and Stream. <laughs> That was close to my heart. Um, I just remembered another costume I did was I tried to be Mr. Peanut Butter and I thought it would be cool. I thought it would be cool to just like wear the outfit. I had like blue sweatpants and the gravy neck uh, sunglasses and then just like dog ears. Um, And I thought that would be like a cool take on it. But it turned out, I guess, like you need to do a lot more to make people think of Mr. Peanut Butter. (laughs) (laughs) even more than his iconic gravy neck. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it, it sounds more like, like I would have seen that and thought maybe it was a half-assed Wilfred. <laughs> God, okay. <laughs> that, uh, that makes me laugh. Something about <laughs> Halloween costumes that nobody gets are very funny to me. Yeah, that's truly the story of my life. I really, I really thought I had it with that Dwight and Angela costume. I was like, this is going to be the year. <laughs> and I don't know if this is for me or against me, but there's no way anybody looks at me and think, oh, he's doing a John Turturro character. <laughs> <laughs> we look very similar. I saw, I didn't even click on the article, but some, I saw something that was like, how to get away with murder is a great, a great group, group costume. And I am so fascinated by that because everyone is just in like slacks and a button up shirt. Yeah. It's all like business casual. Yeah. I, if I saw those people, I, yeah, it, I don't know that I would even clock that they were in costume. Yeah, it would be like they're heading to a work meeting <laughs> at midnight on October 31st. <laughs> or a meeting ran late and they didn't have time to get their real costumes. Oh, yeah. And now they're all, no, I'm how to get away with murder. Sure. <laughs> Happy Endings was one where they... They always their Halloween costumes were way out of scope for what their budget could potentially be. Mm-hmm. That was just what I thought of out of nowhere just now. That would actually make me mad. <laughs> There's too many props. Yeah, I appreciate that in You're the Worst when uh, uh, Gretchen wants the Daenerys Targaryen costume from the store. It's like a legitimate financial problem for Jimmy. Because I feel right. like, uh, yeah, on most... On most sitcoms, they're just like, oh, yeah, exact match uh, popular TV character costumes are just growing on trees. <laughs> you know they'd end up having to get a, a blonde dragon lady costume. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I did you ever see the I have no way of knowing if you if why you would remember seeing a thing that I think is my favorite. Those generic costumes where it's meant to be a character, but they're not licensed, so they're very vague. Mm-hmm. 
there was a a Linda Belcher costume on Amazon that somebody posted, and it was called Supportive Burger Wife. Oh, that's so nice. I've also I've also been Linda Belcher. That's a silly one for them to to sell in a store because it was just like a, a a red shirt and some glasses. Right. You got glasses and a shirt. You're good. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it was mostly the wig, but I I didn't get past the title. Oh yeah, I uh, unfortunately before I cut my hair short already had pretty Linda Belcher shaped hair, so I didn't have to buy a wig. <laughs> and you're always singing to yourself, so it worked. <laughs> I do think the key to a good Halloween costume that people actually get is just picking someone you already look like, but that's that's not easy for all of us. The person uh, people say I look most like is the little girl in Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> and that blurt laugh wasn't me going, yeah, I see it. It's just such a random thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard this the most the year that it came out. I don't really have one. I'm my my look, I think, and it doesn't work for Halloween costume is if the Doughboys had a baby together. <laughs> I, I have legit gone places wearing a Doughboy shirt and had somebody ask, which one are you? <laughs> Especially before I committed to having a beard and now they just know that I'm Mitch. <laughs> um, so. You, you mentioned how they sometimes just go wild for Halloween episodes on, on comedies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get around to rewatching it before before this. And I should have. But there's that community episode where it is straight up a zombie attack. Yeah, that episode. I mean, it absolutely rocks. But it does hit you how strange it is because, like, the characters will actually say, like, who cares about the zombies? And it's like, those were students you went to school with literally five minutes ago. <laughs> it is the weirdest thing. And I think that sort of empowered some. And I know there, like you pointed out, there's a tradition of Halloween Halloween episodes being wild, but I think that sort of empowered some sort of uh, community-esque shows that came in its wake, like AP Bio, to just go go weird with every episode. Mm. Like, no, the season premiere is going to be all fan fiction. Sure. <laughs> we don't need to worry about a reality that 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 connects all these things together. <laughs> Damn it! I thought I, I was thinking of something while you were uh, talking about. Oh, this was just a Fear of the Walking Dead thing that I have to share with somebody because it seems nobody is watching this show. Mm-hmm. On the new season, there's a subplot where somebody is going around and just taking clothes off of zombies. So there are all <laughs> these naked zombies now. Why are they doing it? Because they think it's funny. That's that's been floated as a possibility. They're only one episode in, so there's no. Uh, there's uh, no real logic. There's no real, uh, not logic, uh, real conclusion at this point. But Fear the Walking Dead, please cast me as the guy who just shows up at the end and is like, yeah, I thought it'd be funny. 
Look at that. Their butt's just hanging out. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of zombie butts on that show now. <laughs> but it is on regular cable, so it means they... It has to look even murkier than it did before. Where, you know, you've got... Uh, uh, you know, you never, you're not seeing anything below the waist, and every female zombie happens to have long hair that hangs in front. <laughs> but it's still enough that you definitely go, hey, that's weird that all these zombies are naked, right? And then when the characters notice it, it's like, yeah, you probably don't see a lot of that. I mean, you see some naked zombies, but this is so many that clearly somebody's doing a bit. <laughs> uh-huh. I had to get that off my chest. It's been it's been sitting weird with me for a week now. Now, this is going to be a mixed bag to be sure, mm-hmm. but possibly the most famous of Halloween episodes is the Treehouse of Horror series. Yes. Okay. So which, I did a big chunk of my re, of my watching this week was every Treehouse of Horror plus I don't know if you know about this, but the one regular Halloween episode they did. What was the? I, I know I watched it, but what was the? I forget what season it was, but a week before they did Treehouse of Horror, they did this one where uh, Lisa goes to like a haunted corn maze type thing, and she gets so oh, scarred okay. she doesn't want to do Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do remember that exists. That must be like a latter season one that I've seen exactly once. Yeah. So, with them fresh on your mind. I mean, I think we can agree there. It is maybe the grouping of episodes with the wildest quality swings in all yeah. of television. That is very fair. And, like the, it's weird to me, and I want to hear your thoughts because you have watched all of them, and I have I watched a few. But the first few seasons, they always had to explain what the premise was. Like a character had to come out and say, "Hey, we're going to do some scary stories this week." And it's it's unthinkable that that would happen now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think the first one, literally Marge comes out on an animated stage and tells <laughs> people this episode's going to be scary. <laughs> and then they'd have the the uh, the bit where. I think they might have done it more than once where the kids are in the treehouse telling stories. And yeah. then they got rid of training forever. <laughs> What's weird is uh, a couple of the later season ones I watched had this meta joke where they would be like, oh, yeah, every year we go to the to the treehouse and tell three scary stories. And I was like, that has happened maybe three times total out of 33 episodes. Definitely not in 28 years. There, I guess uh, in any episode where the framing device isn't explained, they are all off screen in the treehouse telling scary stories. (laughs) (coughs) sorry Sorry about that that tickled me (laughs) now the 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 thing that and you can speak to this more since you have watched them all is sometimes they are pretty dire Mm. but even in the later years every like Last year, not this year's Treehouse of Horror, which had exactly one thing that I thought was funny, and that was the the short Edward Gorey scene. Oh yeah. With the with the, and I'm like, oh, that was actually clever. Like that they that that's a neat pastiche of uh, 
But like I remember last year's being pretty solid, and I think I watched it more intently because it was written by uh, Julia Prescott, who was a, a Simpsons podcaster. So this was like a dream to write an episode. Hmm. So then I maybe like focused. I I was maybe more inclined to enjoy it because it was a person I was familiar with. But I remember laughing at last seasons, and every once in a while there's a segment that I really enjoy, but it's all kind of blurred together, and I've forgotten 90% of the one that I watched six days ago. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to ask you to, for, for your thoughts as a, as, that's almost a third, that's a third of your 95 episodes. I know, yeah. Um, yeah, they definitely get very bleak, and just like, the stuff they decide to parody sometimes is very weird, like the diving bell and the butterfly. <laughs> that famous horror film. Yeah, someone posted that they've never done a, uh, uh, Michael Chow on Twitter posted that they've never done a Conjuring Treehouse of Horror, and I was like, they have done the diving bell and the butterfly, and like <laughs> Split and Chronicle, but they haven't gotten to the Conjuring yet. <laughs> Um, was last year is the one that opened with the, with them voting, right? With Homer voting? Yes. I think that kind of turned me off the whole episode just cause, um, like I, I really didn't like when, uh, she was like, think of everything Trump's done. And they put like kids with cages at kid, kids in cages and accidentally calling Tim Cook, Tim Apple on the same list. And it just like felt weird and gross. Yeah, I can see that. But yeah, once it got into the actual segments, um, it was pretty good. The Toy Story one was way too fucking scary. That was gruesome. That was disturbing, yeah. The Spider-Verse one was really fun. Yeah, which, again, famous horror movie, Spider-Man into the yeah, Spider-Verse. It, it did feel very conspicuous that they did two things that aren't horror but are owned by Disney. Right. And then the other one was Russian Doll, which also, not horror... I think that is considered horror. I mean, I recently did a list of the best current horror shows and did put it on there. It gets oh, okay. It gets pretty disturbing, I think. Okay, yeah, I guess that's... I, I guess it's borderline. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't... I don't remember it well enough to, to argue it. I guess it didn't strike me that way at the time, but... Also, if I'm enjoying something, since I, I, as noted, I'm a delicate flower. <laughs> a lot of times, if I'm if I'm really enjoying something, there's something in my brain that puts it in a genre besides horror because I'm so, uh, so averse to like genuine horror. <laughs> and what's interesting is the Wikipedia claims it's a parody of Russian Doll and Happy Death Day, which I guess is true, except it's like. I mean, they use the exact Russian Doll song and everything. It's mm -hmm. pretty. <laughs> I guess maybe because it's set on her birthday. I don't even know if that's when Happy Death Day was set, but is I remember it, her birthday. But isn't Russian Doll also set on her birthday? Isn't she at that party for that? It's somebody's birthday. I don't. Is it hers? It might be hers. Um, yeah, it, no, yeah, it is because it's tied into her birthday. Um, so what we determined is Happy Death Day is a parody of Russian Doll. <laughs> yeah. 
but I guess even even real early on, they they sort of broke away from horror stuff like like Stretch Dude and Clobber Girl. That's not was, horror. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like that's like that season was literally the very abrupt time when it became oh uh, yeah, Trios of Horror is just parodies and they can be of anything. That's why Bob's Burgers learned a lesson when they do their annual trilogy episode is they don't theme it to anything. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that in, in Bob's Burgers because I always forget that it's going to be a trilogy because it starts like a real episode with a like with a premise and a conflict. And then it always turns into the kids telling wild stories that I'm delighted every time it happens. Yeah. What I like about those, and I feel like I'm guessing some people are probably bothered by this. But I really like how weird and dated and obscure the references often are, because I do feel like when you're a kid, you're so influenced by, like, what happened to be on cable one day. Right. So, like, I I can totally see, like, a 10-year-old being very into Runaway Jury. I think the creators described Gene once as the kind of kid who sometimes gets up at 1 a.m. to watch Simon and Simon. And that's... (laughs) It's like, yeah, all of his all of his references are hopelessly out of date. And but, I love the thing of like uh, Louise will often mention like uh, like Game of Thrones ads or like that one year she's like, I'm Ryan Gosling uh, from the trailer for Drive, because I do think that's also a big thing of like when you're that young and not allowed to see things. There are certain movies I had never seen that were R rated, but was like obsessed with. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely had strong opinions on Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I have never seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like, yeah, like Detroit Rock City was like something that just seemed like <laughs> fascinating to me as a kid. I was like, wow, that that forbidden fruit. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> I just, re- you know, what the first R-rated movie I ever saw was. What? I I did see Alien 3 a week before my 17th birthday, and I was so nervous. But because I was weirdly into conspiracies as a 15-year-old, <laughs> you can imagine how pleasant I must have been to be around. I got my mom to take me to see JFK. Wow. Which... <laughs> is three hours plus it is boring it is there was nothing it was it it was genuinely sweet of her because there was nothing for nothing for her in it hey here's a thing that maybe nobody who watched jfk came away with but when you are 15 and seeing it with your mom it is the one thing you can't escape a lot of gay sex in jfk wow like Probably if I were to see it now, I'd be like, no, that's a normal amount of gay sex. But when you're 15 years old and see it with your mother, who, as far as I know, had never seen a butt before. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of, oh, oh, uh, hey, there's another orgy. They painted that guy gold. Wow. I got now I feel like I got to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it is a very early 90s depiction of early 60s homosexuality, too. So it's not exactly uh uh nuanced maybe mm-hmm. it's not i mean it's not 
I would not call it homophobic. I would just call it a little uh, paper thin. Mm-hmm. But a weird thing to watch when you're sitting next to your mom <laughs> for your first R-rated movie. <laughs> Couldn't wait to actually turn 17 so I could see Lethal Weapon 3. Hell yeah. Which I saw 17 times in one summer. Nice. <laughs> because my friend Brian and I did not have any other friends and it was playing at the Dollar Theater. <laughs> this is this di- diverged into my uh my my sad life. Um are there any current horror or supernatural shows that are that you're that you're you're into? Yes. Uh me I'll also bring up that top ten. <laughs> you can oh. you can tell that I was double dipping when I suggested this theme um you had already done the work i see where this is uh so yeah my my top two are both uh not not really scary they're comedies about horror stuff but los spookies and what we do in the shadows are both really good oh yeah i want to talk about what we do in the shadows when we're through with this list okay and then i would go undone stranger things squid game I had Russian Doll in there, like I said. I put American Horror Story, but I uh, I put it at number seven, which is probably high. I think I was very sucked in by the fact that the most recent season was about how TV writers are monsters who don't care about anybody. I was like, finally, <laughs> Ryan Murphy is writing what he knows. Um, and and then I have uh, rounding it out, Alice in Borderland, uh, Evil, and Legacies. You know what? I really like Evil. That is not a show I expected to like, because again, me and horror aren't great. But uh, yeah, it's funny. And I haven't watched very... the show on. Oh. Uh, I was just gonna say it feels very old-fashioned, like um, more in the vein of like Buffy and early Supernatural, um, which I love. I like watch it, and I'm like, this feels like television to me. Yeah, it's yeah. There's definitely something. Uh, it, it's got a little bit of the X-Files case of the week, but with a, uh, a through line thing that feels like TV to me because that's the difference in our ages. <laughs> like, it's hitting the exact, it's hitting that sweet spot for both of us. Um, and Benry's on it and I will never turn down a chance to see Benry. Yeah, he's great. And, uh, Mike Coulter, the most charming man in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, my one-time TV crush, uh, I do not know how to pronounce her name, Katya Evers. I don't know. I follow her on Twitter, but she mostly tweets in Dutch. Is she the main character? Who... Yeah. Okay, yeah, she's good. Yeah, she was on Westworld and Leftovers briefly, and I like her a lot. Oh, who is she and, on Leftovers? Uh, she was one of the scientists who invented the procedure. Oh, Yeah. That yep. is the same lady. It took me a second to recognize her, but um, yeah, she's great, and it's maybe a weird. This more, this seems more like a more like a you thing to bring up than a than a me thing, frankly. But the first few episodes of that show had maybe the best depiction of horniness I've ever seen on television. <laughs> like she is unquestionably secretly into Mike Coulter and is just trying to deal with it. <laughs> and the the ways they portray that were like, wow, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's a good, I, 
I haven't watched the new season because Paramount Plus is such a janky app. It's always, uh, for me, it's always a dice roll whether it's going to play something or not. Oh, interesting. I haven't had that, uh, but it did do this thing where um, the screen was the screen the screen just went completely black except for the play button. And it happened when I was trying to watch uh, Twin Peaks, and I was like, this feels like Twin Peaks. (laughs) This could very well be a choice. (laughs) Yeah. David Lynch actually designed the Twin Peaks homepage on Paramount+. (laughs) No, no, the play button was on the screen during its original airing. (laughs) He's a visionary. Um, Yeah, I like evil a lot. also, very upsetting things on that show for a CBS drama. God, the, the thing that sticks with me is the one where um, the unborn fetus is possessed and they have to <laughs> they have to do the uh-huh. exorcism on the <laughs> God, this show's wild. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's on the network that moms watch. I think maybe it literally aired after the show Mom for for the first season. Oh wow. Um. Uh, but yeah, uh, what we do in the shadows, man, that is a show. That is an absolute delight. Yeah, I I just started watching, so we binged the first two seasons, and um, then now we're caught up. Uh, the most recent episode was the first one. Um, I I say we, meaning me and my roommate. Uh, but uh, this this week's was the first one that like we had to wait to watch it. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it was always good. And then this season, they're just really hitting it out of the park. You know what I and I cannot remember his name, but the guy who plays Nandor, they oh, have yeah, told I don't know him to do the weirdest stuff this season. <laughs> And like the cloak of duplication episode where it's like, yeah, you just play all of your castmates playing you <laughs> and doing a Matt Berry voice. Yeah, that that episode was so good. Just uh, my perfect episode is just everyone doing Frasier-esque hijinks and realizing they're gay and Paige from Degrassi is there for some reason. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of uh, of Laszlo just using hypnotism to get out of any sort of jam. Yes. I love that. and And it makes perfect sense for the character where last season was presented as a thing that could really cause damage. And, and that doesn't really bother him so much. He's, he's okay with maybe ruining somebody's life to get out of an awkward situation. Yeah, and I love Nandor clearly specifically asking laszlo to do it because he is good at this stuff and laszlo just passing it on to the least charming person he knows like he just does not understand what's going on at all i think a big part of this of this season is laszlo's refusal to participate in the plots of the episode of a really funny Laszlo runner I've enjoyed this season is like there's that scene where he's suddenly like, Hey, do you have any experience with the fairer sex to Guillermo? And gets like really into that conversation, even though Guillermo has said absolutely nothing. And then in this most recent episode, 
<laughs> for some reason, people start asking Guillermo about his dick, and Laszlo is like, wow, this is the most interesting you've ever been. And I love that, like, these are both conversations where Guillermo has not actually revealed anything <laughs> at all, but just Laszlo being reminded that Guillermo might have sex with someone someday is enough to be very interested in him. Laszlo's general fascination with pornography this season has been... It's been such a weird turn, and I really enjoy it. It's so precious that he has been sucking and fucking for all of eternity, and he is just not at all bored with it. Every, every possible thing still delights him. <laughs> to the extent he's not interested in the Vampire Council stuff, <laughs> because he's got some masturbating to do. Absolute king. God, that is a really good show. It's... I love that episode. I think at the end of season one, where like all the people who are famous for playing vampires are on the vampire. Oh, God, council. that was so good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I Wesley Snipes to Skype in. That that just appealed to my brain so much. Where I would have watched fifteen more minutes of just naming <laughs> vampire actors. I also like that it was very obvious that they forgot about Vampire Diaries because you know someone from that cast would have been available. Oh, absolutely. That, that'll be the new council. Just wait, the whole cast. Oh, God, that'd be so good. Now, have you seen... Uh, it's on HBO Max, and it's it's like a... It's, Jermaine Clemens is involved with it. It's kind of a spinoff of the movie, What We Do in the Shadows. It's called Wellington Paranormal. Oh, I, I've i only seen that on, like, lists of shows right now. I don't actually know anything about it other than that it seems to be moderately well-acclaimed and popular. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's like if The X-Files uh, and Reno 911 were the same show. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, and, and Flight of the Concords, because it is a New Zealand, uh, it's very New Zealand. It's this small town police department where two, two of the, of the, the cops encounter this uh, possessed girl. And then it turns out the, the captain has been waiting to set up a paranormal unit all this time, and now he has an excuse to do so. And they have no... Oh, go, Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, like a year ago, they were teasing that Brooklyn Nine-Nine would be completely different when it came back. Now I'm just like, God, why didn't they do that? Actually have ghosts in it. Yeah, just like, why not be like, oh, ghosts exist in Brooklyn. Let's do a hard pivot. This is way more important. (laughs) (laughs) There's a joke in the first episode that is one of the things I found funniest all year was... Because it's done that pseudo-documentary style, like what we do in the shadows, and uh, where, you know, occasionally they'll talk to the camera and catch up on what's going on. And the two the the two newly minted paranormal cops are explaining, well, you know, in a lot of ways, we're like Mulder and Scully. She's sort of a, a brainy, hard-as-nails skeptic, and I'm a man with brown hair. <laughs> oh, that's really good. I'm going to go pee. I'm going to be right back. All right. Uh, well, 
while Lenny is using the restroom because I do not know how to pause recording on a Skype call. Uh, I will instead fill the time and mention our sponsor. Uh, our sponsor, of course, as you've come to expect, is uh, TeasedBySummer.com, the best site for t-shirts on the internet. Yeah, that's right, the whole internet. I checked the whole thing. Um, there's a new design up. Uh, the, the I think you should leave Carl Havoc shirt, which I, I got mine and it is fantastic. Uh, waiting on the mug. Um, just just the best. A lot of the, the shirts that were, were not on the site for a while are back up. So get yourself an ape hive or, or that's a chunky uh, because they are they are great. And I'm a little sad that we're heading into autumn and I can't uh, I can't wear T-shirts like I used to. Um, I'm back. I, heard, I realized I, I could have. Oh, go ahead. I would. Well, because I don't know how to pause a Skype recording and I'm too lazy to edit. I took your absence as a as a chance to do a word from our sponsor. Oh, nice. Um, which is is kind of trailing off because I usually try to think ahead of time and I, I it, and I and having having done the word for a sponsor for 43 episodes of the same sponsor, <laughs> uh, I'm running out of superlatives. But uh, so we're gonna get back to the show now. But just remember, teasedbysummer.com, best t-shirts on the internet. Isn't that right? Yes. I especially if you were teeing it up for the for the sponsor, I guess I should have been more classy and just said I had I have to go for a couple minutes, but I felt like everyone would realize it must be a bathroom thing. Oh, and then we could have done a bit where where we could pretend we were recording in the same room and you say I have to go for a minute and then you come back and I'd be like, Oh my goodness, you came back wearing your, your teased by summer shirt. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. Look at that. It's the spice girls. That's amazing. Ah, maybe maybe I will have to edit it and make it sound like that happened because we laid all the groundwork now. <laughs> but uh, all right, we're we're gonna get back to talking about TV. But teasedbysummer.com. Come on, man. In every episode by now, if you haven't bought a shirt yet, I don't know what I can do for you. I'm lo- I'm looking yep. at the Twitter now. These are good shirts. They are good shirts, right? Yeah, I'm looking at the uh. The I think you should leave one with the car where it's like pointing out all the features, uh, oh. like stinky and too small. <laughs> that one, can I tell you this? Mm-hmm. That one, the actor from that sketch uh, posted that design on Instagram and said, this is a very good shirt. Oh, nice. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're really good. I'm, I'm I'm glad you're uh, glad you got to see them. Mm-hmm. That includes the ape hive, the logo for my website. Designed by teasedbysummer.com. Not the website, but the person. You know what I mean. <laughs> and like I've mentioned to all of my guests, uh, she did a logo for my currently being written scripted podcast that is gorgeous. I cannot wait for the world to see it. Hell yeah. I'll send it to you later so you can see it and be like, wow. But we can't, I don't even I said the name of it on here, so I'm still not going to. <laughs> because that puts pressure on me to finish the last two scripts, so they're hard to write. Um, okay, 
we're back to TV now that uh, uh, we've hopefully driven some T-shirt business. Yeah, um, yeah, Wellington, Wellington Paranormal sounds great. I need to watch it. Yeah, it's and <laughs> this I don't know if this is a common thing, but when you try to use the search function on HBO Max, it really wants you to watch one of its big movies more than what you might actually be looking for. <laughs> So you put in, like, I put in W because I couldn't remember for sure what streaming service it was on. So I was just checking them all. Mm -hmm. And the top hits for W were Zack Snyder's Justice League, Godzilla vs. Kong, The Many Saints of Newark, which has a W in it. <laughs> and then you keep, you know, you keep typing it and it's going, okay, maybe you didn't want to see Godzilla vs. Kong. Mortal Kombat, though? <laughs> And I had most of the word Wellington out before it went, oh, you want to watch Wellington Paranormal and not Zack Snyder's Justice League. You can you can see why I was confused. <laughs> this is this isn't that bad. This is actually smart. But uh, whenever I search for Larry, because I'm looking up the Larry Sanders show, the first thing is Curb Your Enthusiasm and then the Larry Sanders show. And I'm always like, oh, people, it's just like aimed at people who forgot the title Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> Larry? What's the thing with Larry? Whereas the Adult Swim, uh, the Adult Swim app takes way too long when you're typing in Rick and Morty to get off of Robot Chicken. <laughs> I always I always feel so insulted when you like search for something like like you search for that 70s show and it's like do you mean mod? I'm like, look, I wouldn't call it that 70s show. <laughs> I'm I'm not your mom over here. <laughs> I like the Netflix thing where it knows what you're searching for and doesn't have it, so it's like, oh, you want to see John? Here's some things like John Wick. Yes. Yeah, Netflix is always like, do you want to watch Reservoir Pogs instead? <laughs> it's, it, it's weird how their algorithm knows what people want to see, but doesn't do anything about having those things. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> Netflix is, has a very uh, don't forget you're here forever vibe of just being like, no, you're you're not going to watch the thing you want. You're going to watch Netflix. And yet, I find I'm not where other than Squid Game, I haven't really watched much Netflix at all for a while. Yeah, it had it was like not working. Um for it had this weird error where it would just immediately be like, "Oh, this isn't available." Like not even pretend to work. Um and I went like several weeks without that being an issue before I was like, okay, I have to figure out some way to troubleshoot this. But yeah, I uh, I really don't think Netflix is very quality and have become a weird spokesperson for like Paramount Plus and Peacock uh, just out of, uh, mostly out of disdain for Netflix and Disney Plus. Cause I'm just like, how are those the two that, that people have so much loyalty to? Yeah, and I'm not, like, other than Squid Game, I haven't heard people talk about a Netflix show in forever. Like, it's not just that it's not hitting the EJ demographic or that I'm still mad that they canceled Glow. It just seems like nothing's really landing with people. 
Yeah, it feels like the only thing they have going for them is sort of this, like, knee-jerk loyalty people have where they, like, don't even think about moving to other subscription services. Because, like, you'll see people talk about, like, oh, no, the office is moving toward, to Peacock and they're going to charge money for it. And it's like, yeah, you're also paying for Netflix. <laughs> and Peacock has crank and crank too high voltage. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I forgot, uh, since I don't think about movies that much, I didn't realize that it being NBC Universal would mean it would actually have, like, a lot of really good, like, real movies, which I feel like Netflix does not have actual films anymore. You can watch yeah. The Irishman and then a bunch of garbage. <laughs> and, of course, 90% of the time I'm going to watch a movie on streaming, it turns out to be Thor Ragnarok, so... <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's my depression movie, weirdly, is Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> which, and my TV show was Perry Mason, which I, I can't remember if we talked about this or not. I watched 50 times last year. Wow. Because I couldn't sleep and I was depressed and I was put on Perry Mason because it was so muted and, like, it was good, but also it was the kind of thing that could theoretically put me to sleep. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, so I just watched it night after night. I need a season two just so I can mix up the Perry Mason in my life. <laughs> Except for how now I exclusively watch Wipeout when I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> God bless Hulu. That's what I have to say. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Logs are complaining about streaming services. I got to say this about Disney+. Plus. They were in kind of a hot streak with their franchises for a while there. They were like, here's a Star Wars show. Here's a Marvel show. Here's another Marvel show. Boom, boom, boom. And then they went, hey, you want to see an animated Star Wars show? How about an animated Marvel show? And it's like, no, we don't want to see those. <laughs> That's not the same thing, and you know it. I don't want to watch animated What If. Yeah, I don't. I don't really get the appeal of what if it sounds like they've done some interesting stuff, but like I've also heard people talk about ones that are just like doing Captain America, but with Peggy Carter as the main character, which is like not really a new story unless like radically different stuff happened because her personality is so different. I don't know. I just like don't really want to watch like the same thing with a new character plugged in. Yeah, it's. I haven't watched much of it, and uh, my friend Sam alerts me when an episode is watchable, and then I'll check it out. Mm -hmm. And so far, that's been three of the eight. Um, it's it's kind of a bad premise. It, it, it's been a comic on and off since I was a child, all those many, many years ago. And it always kind of meets with middling success because... Usually it, they try to go with uh, uh, what if what if this one thing happened a little differently? Yeah. And the TV show kind of throws that out, and sometimes it goes, "What if Black Panther was Star Lord?" <laughs> sure. Yeah, it feels like if you're gonna do what if, it should all be like uh, I'm gonna use the same thing I used earlier and say like, "What if Bucky was a werewolf?" I want to see people become werewolves. <laughs> but yeah, just being like. What if a different character was Captain America? I was like, okay. Yeah, and mostly the answer to that is, 
or, or a way to rephrase it is, what if that story you liked was was not as good? <laughs> what if we made the choice that wasn't as good when we did this story? Yeah. And it's like, oh, it turns out not as good. Yeah. And just to complain about what if, it's also not, they don't take advantage of the fact that it's animated to do something wild. Mm-hmm. Like, it just looks like they couldn't get actors to actually do it. So it's animated for that reason, rather than, like, at least every episode should have looked different. Yeah, like, the I from what I've heard, it sounds like the Star Wars show is actually, like, really, like, visually beautiful. I haven't actually seen anything from it, but I've, like, heard good things about the animation. But what if it's just, like, the most basic, like, it almost looks like someone I know could have made it in Flash, you know? Yes. And all the characters have that early 2000s Disney face. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, I wasn't even thinking of the the new, the the anime Star Wars series where each one is by a different creative team. Mm-hmm. And that is actually, it is a mixed bag, but visually every single one of them is interesting. Mm-hmm. And one episode introduced my new favorite character in all of Star Wars canon which is uh, the Lady Darth Vader voiced by Alison Brie. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> the only problem is the style of that episode was as soon as any characters took off their helmets and you saw their faces, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've got sort of that cheap Japanese uh, afternoon cartoon thing with, you know, no nose and a giant oval mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, there's one that looks like it's all pencil drawings. It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And let's say it's scary just to. Uh, <laughs> <stand theme. laughs> yeah. Sorry, we we have to talk for a while about these uh, these overpriced streaming services, because that's what's really scary. <laughs> a zombie bit my pocketbook. I did feel a little bit like I was in Black Mirror the day everybody got Disney Plus because I just like I it just is weird to me that that's the one because like people make fun of Paramount Plus and Peacock but like they have a lot of shows for adults a lot of them (laughs) like a big variety of shows adults like Uh, but for some reason the Disney brand is just so strong that people are like Oh, yeah, I'll sign up for that. But Peacock, that's silly. I think Disney's the only studio that's managed to make itself a brand. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's so weird about uh, the the Space Jam 2 thing, where they're like, oh, it's all the things from the Warner Brothers library. And it's like, well, <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yeah, like, the, the frustrating thing about Paramount Plus is that it is such a good library, but it's like, you really have to, like, try and split it out, spell it out for people of, like, no, this is like Avatar The Last Airbender and Nathan For You and like try and figure out like, I promise you there's stuff on there you like. Yeah, it, and I know it's Paramount and even with that information, it took me a while to find Comedy Central stuff was on Paramount Plus. I'm like, oh, Detroiters yeah, is on here. It, it, yeah, it is also really funny that like Paramount Plus is entirely based around the idea that everyone will know about a merger from a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know Disney Plus is the same thing, but yeah, like you said, like that's the one that is a brand and people will be like, oh yeah, Simpsons. Um, but yeah, I. Uh... 
that Paramount Plus homepage doesn't help either, where it just seems like it's a flea market. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want Survivor? You want SpongeBob? You want uh, uh, Road Rules? Yeah, but um, they like there is some actually so much good stuff in the Viacom CBS library, and it also seems like they have a lot of like random stuff. Like I mentioned Twin Peaks earlier, and it has Freaks and Geeks for some reason. Um, which made me just be like, oh, they have all the Viacom CBS stuff and also anything that ends in eeks. That's, that's their niche. <laughs> Weirdly, the movie Nine and a Half Weeks is on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, again, it's, I, I have a lot of problems with the app. Uh, a lot of people complain that Netflix starts a new episode too soon. Uh, Paramount Plus, you have to pray to God it'll start another episode at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and like HBO Max is genuinely puzzled that you might want to see another episode. The the thing that drives me crazy about HBO Max, obviously it has some like bugs, which doesn't bother me because it's like, they'll, you know, if it's a bug, you know, they'll take care of it eventually. Um, it's not like a fundamental design flaw. Um, but the thing about HBO Max that kills me is when there's a show where they did inside the episodes, they think that we want that to autoplay. And it's like, no one who is binging <laughs> Game of Thrones wants to relive all of the inside the episodes. <laughs> and it's so funny because they built a skip intro button but they'll still have the fucking inside the episode. And it's like, I would much rather hear the theme song than listen to these guys explain explain the episode I just watched. <laughs> yeah, and they do that for seemingly every show now, too. Mm. Like, Doom Patrol has them. And you will find nobody who loves Doom Patrol more than I do. It does not need an inside the episode at the end of every episode. Yeah, like for for Game of Thrones, it almost makes sense just to like explain what you just saw because it is so dense and plot heavy. Um, yeah. But yeah when it's like something like Silicon Valley, you really see them struggling to be like, yeah, we thought this scene would be funny. <laughs> we thought a masturbation joke went well here. <laughs> also, I'm just insulted when they're on Doom Patrol because who are they to tell me things about the Doom Patrol? <laughs> I should be hosting that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that also drives me crazy. Whenever it's an adaptation, there is like a weird book report element to it. <laughs> They're just like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Cersei did this. And it's like, OK, I'm, I'm not your fourth grade teacher. <laughs> I also add the Game of Thrones ones, how they'd have to. They'd have to sort of gloss over the differences that we're substantially dumber in one version or the other. Right. Like sometimes they'll point out, yeah, well, it happened this way in the books, but because we, you know, we combined these characters, it happened this way here. Whereas they don't tell you, I mean, there's plenty of examples of the TV show being dumb, but also every time I looked up, if a character died in the books or just on TV, the answer was almost always, it seemed like they did, but it was a lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that more than once. I do think that was just like a really easy scam to pull before photography. People would be like, oh, yeah, you're right. They have brown hair. It is them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Everybody's a Summersby. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, that's they do it on on AMC Plus too because every Walking Dead thing has to have a discussion afterwards. Oh, wow. And for a while, I think they were even putting the uh, the Talking Dead full episode at the end. And it's like, no, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to watch known sex creep Chris Hardwick talk about a dumb zombie <laughs> oh, show. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, if we're talking about bad apps, the crazy thing about AMC Plus to me, which I do like, sometimes it is literally not there. Like, I don't know if this yeah. is Apple TV's fault or AMC Plus's fault, but um, yeah, sometimes I'll watch AMC Plus and it's fine, but sometimes Apple TV will be like, Oh yeah, it's it's not streaming anywhere. Just uh, just pay forty dollars for a season of Walking Dead. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm subscribed to AMC Plus. I I spent a couple weeks being like, like feeling like I was in an M Night Shyamalan movie where I was like, no, but I have AMC Plus. It's real. It exists. <laughs> yep. I, I I wanted to go back and watch something, and they're like, well, here's where you can buy it on iTunes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it is super weird that the uh, I, AMC Plus app, which is supposed to be the AMC library plus IFC for some reason. And there's Sundance. no Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul on there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, I think it is kind of an app just for people like us who sometimes are like, I want to rewatch Rectify today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I gave up cable, so I have to... Like these networks that have things I like, I'm pretty much stuck with their apps and I'm still saving a lot of money a month, but it means I am got some janky ass apps. Yeah, it's like I, I do like AMC Plus and I do genuinely watch Rectify a lot. Um but uh yeah, it's so, good. Yeah, it's so funny because it should have launched as like the Breaking Bad app, the same way Disney Plus was like, This is the Simpsons app, you know? Um mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very weird. But I can actually segue back to horror off of this, which is good. Um, so I actually just watched on AMC Plus this really good horror show called The Returned. Okay. Do you I've remember it at that. all? I don't, I don't know what it, I remember hearing about it. I don't think I ever saw it. Yeah, it was a French show that aired, I think, on Sundance a while ago, uh, 2015. But it's this really interesting premise where... Uh, people's dead loved ones just come back like they don't look like zombies and they don't remember anything bad happening to them like this this woman's dead daughter just like come comes home and is like sorry i'm late starts making herself a sandwich um which is just such a great idea both in terms of how unsettling it is but also the fact that it leads to a lot of like mundane drama and i really like that mix (laughs) it kind of reminds me a little bit of the leftovers just in terms of having this like really big premise that but then also exploring just like sort of little family relationships oh that sounds good Mm. that's that's on amc plus i'm gonna i'll check that out have you on amc plus seen any of the terror no i need to watch that yeah the it's it's inter- and it's it's a mixed bag because it's it's an anthology show. The two seasons are vastly different. But the the first one, I had a harder time getting into the second one, I think because they're during the pandemic and I was not in the mood for depression. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. But the the first one is is about this I wish I could remember more details, but it was a, a British effort to find a shortcut to somewhere. 
and the ships get frozen. You know, winter comes, the ships get stuck where they are. It's like, well, we're there. They just have to wait for it to thaw so they can complete their voyage. And that's the thing that happened. But in the show, they have also somehow angered like an like an Inuit ghost bear. <laughs> so it's like all these horrible things about this, these two ships full of people who are miserable and running out of supplies and kind of hate each other and don't trust their leaders. And also sometimes the most disturbing looking bear you've ever seen just <laughs> goes nuts. And it's one of those shows, though, that that uh, anything about England at a certain time the entire cast is going to be white men with brown hair, and it's very difficult to track which character is which sometimes. Oh, yeah, I hate that. But, uh, and then it's the al- second it's one always is just a- like hope to God that I recognize enough of them from like Game of Thrones and right. Harry Potter to tell who they are. <laughs> I need, I need their other credits. Yeah. <laughs> Giving their character a name won't help. And then the second season is set in the Japanese American internment camps. Oh, interesting. Which is interesting. It's, I found it a little hard to follow because, like I said, it, it came out during pandemic times when it was really hard to focus on on stuff. Mm-hmm. And that one felt a little more mean spirited to me. Like these. People who were locked up were also dealing with ancestral ghosts. And it's like, I don't know, I'd rather see the bad white people get get eaten by Onis. Right. But the first season I thought was tremendous. And it's called The Terror, so you know how scary it is. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime that bear would show up, oh my God. It was so upsetting. You cannot imagine how gross this bear looked. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to refrain from Googling it because I feel like that won't capture how scary it is. So I'll wait to watch the show. All right. Yeah, you need to see this thing in motion and realize you can't really ever quite understand what its face is. <laughs> it's it's a little like that bear from Annihilation, actually. <laughs> Bears um, are really having a moment because there's also the Midsummer Bear, which I know is like not scary in in and of itself, I guess. But it is a bear in a horror thing. I didn't know there was a Midsommar bear. Yeah. I tell you, I can't, I can't handle horror movies. <laughs> I have a friend who tells me if there's a horror movie that I would like and can handle. Mm-hmm. And very rarely do those two things coincide. <laughs> so then he just has to explain the pl- I'm like Jessica St. Clair in that way, basically. <laughs> just explain a horror movie to me so I don't have to get upset. <laughs> Um, boy, do we have any horror, horror, spooky Halloween stuff to touch on yet? I'm trying to think if there's any, any, uh, anything left on the Halloween plate. Um, I guess I'll real quick say, since Squid Game is so big, I would also highly recommend Alice in Borderland, uh, just for people who finished Squid Game and want more. Um, what I love about Alice in Borderland is these these people just get transported to the torture games dimension where uh, a uh, something that seems to have infinite power makes you play torture games all the time. And I just, 
am blown away by how much that premise cuts all the fat off. Great. <laughs> like, listen, we're going to get to the fucking point with this show. <laughs> Where 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 is that available? Uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's a Japanese Netflix, show that's okay. on Netflix. Yep. Oh, okay. I hadn't heard of that before, and I was embarrassed. Yeah, for some reason, um, I I do all my watching according to IMDb and Metacritic. I have no free will, and for some reason, that show had jumped up really high on the IMDb most popular. And I think it was probably just people looking for another show after Squid Game because it came out a while ago okay that sounds it i I might get too scared but i'm going to check that out uh yeah it's a lot of fun because when they're not they're when they're not doing the torture games they are all just like partying and hanging out by the pool which is like yeah why wouldn't you do that in your downtime (laughs) um so it it, there is sort of a fun element to it even though yeah it's, it's definitely horror I, I guess I feel obligated, and this is not a current show, and it might not be streaming anywhere. Uh, and maybe it is. I just haven't looked. I feel like at one point I would have told you the scariest Halloween episode of all time was the Quantum Leap Halloween episode where Sam fights the devil. Oh, man. I've, and yeah, there is a part where the devil that. takes the form of a goat, and he fights it. <laughs> it's, I was a kid, but it was scary. Oh, that rocks. I don't, given my own propensities, I assume I would still be frightened of it now. Um, But yeah, if you can find Quantum Leap, check out the episode where Sam fights a goat. Hell yeah. I think it might be called Sam fights a goat. But the goat (laughs) is the devil, so it's... There's also a scary episode of Knight Rider where there was a hologram projector that made a demon face that spoke backwards. I had to look up... I had to look up what it was on, but it's NBC, so hopefully it's on Peacock. Hopefully they're not depriving us of the quantum leap. Hopefully, but yeah, they also don't have Homicide on Peacock. And Yeah, I don't know what it is about that show. I wonder if it used a lot of licensed music, because it is just not, it has never been anywhere. Yeah, there was a fair amount of licensed music, but it was not... I guess it would be more of the amount of paperwork. There wasn't anything like big, mm-hmm. like they didn't use hit songs, but there were a lot of songs in it. Yeah. Cause I know and that's that why I read that. That's why Northern exposure isn't anywhere. The soundtrack was just so bumping that it is <laughs> impossible to ever get on streaming. Oh yeah. I guess the, one of the conceits of it was there was a DJ who scored every episode, <laughs> man. When Hulu followed me on Twitter, I used to ask them all the time about uh, about homicide, and then they stopped following me on Twitter. <laughs> Possibly not for that reason, because it wasn't immediately. I think they just realized I was irrelevant. At one point, it seemed like I might be somebody with a website, and then they realized, no, I'm not. It was very hurtful. It was, it was the most I've ever been hurt on Twitter. Um, That's all the... I know I'll think of something as soon as it's it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember DVRing a Halloween episode of Bones just because somebody dressed like Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh, that actually does remind me of a thing I wanted to mention because I felt like you would appreciate it. 
It is so interesting that on Modern Family, whenever someone dressed like a superhero, they would always be a DC character. There's Wonder Woman and there's that episode where Mitchell and uh, Cam and Lily are the Bat family, which just makes it feel like Modern Family was forever ago because now ABC (laughs) Disney would shoot that down immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They'd be WandaVision. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but that's holy smokes. That's crazy. Yeah, it really made me be like, oh, this this was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> those those were the days before you had to remember who owned what. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I, I think I think that's everything I I really wanted to get to. Okay, well. Now you actually have some things to promote, so uh, 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 go go plug in. Yeah, so I have two podcasts. They're both about television. My only interest. Uh, chapter surfing is where me and a guest uh, will talk about a TV show and the book that it's based on, and uh, that's that's uh, once a month. It's called Chapter Surfing. Hopefully we'll get EJ on there soon, hopefully to talk about Homicide. But as we have, we mentioned earlier, it is difficult to watch that show. Um, it's a very hard show to find and also a book that's sort of a dense piece of year in the life journalism. Um, I'm asking a lot. <laughs> well, you know, I had someone pick The Expanse and then someone pick Game of Thrones right in a row. So I think if I can <laughs> get through that, I, I'm able to read anything um and then my other pad podcast uh is called house of house and it is an episode by episode house rewatch podcast yeah i was on it it was fun um oh you know it might be good for chapter surfing what justified Oh yeah, I actually own uh I own one of the justified books and need to need to get to it. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that's that see, I'm gonna get on that show one way or another. <laughs> I well, I've tapped that, out that, on books. That'll be our backup if uh I'm basically counting on the library having DVDs of homicide because otherwise I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um <laughs> I own two sets of the DVDs because I figure these things are gold. <laughs> I'm going to retire on these. Yeah, I, I'm worried that they're going to be expensive, but then I'm also like, maybe they'll actually be less expensive than I think because people may have just forgotten about that show. They are. The second set I bought was way less expensive than the first set. All right. They did not really go up in value because, yeah, they seem to. And they put out a couple of collector's editions along the way. Um, I hope I can get them for cheap if I have to. But then I hope the the stock rises again for for your retirement's sake. I'm hoping. And just to sweeten the deal, I also read the three tie-in novels based on Homicide. Hell yeah. Which are not good, but I read them and they're still on my shelf right now. (laughs) They moved with me. (laughs) <laughs> homicide the novel violent delights and white butterflies nice. by jerome Preisler. <laughs> so check those out if you want to read not very good tv tie-in novels and they're fine 
they're they're okay actually i'd probably like them now because there's so there's no new homicide episodes oh yeah i i don't end every episode talking about homicide but uh <laughs> yeah your podcasts are good and fun um uh any anything else you want to you want to point at the people besides trying to get someone to hire you which vastly overestimates the reach of my audience you know it only takes one person uh but no that's it you can uh follow me at lenny burnham and yeah uh please give me some sort of project so i stop watching 95 episodes of tv <laughs> my friend tim listens to every episode he's a librarian in maine i bet he can do something hell yeah <laughs> the opposite geographic end of the country from you but the, <laughs> the library has its ways yes all right well thank you for talking uh talking tv with me this was so nice yeah this was very fun Thanks for having um, me. Th thanks for being here and for taking all this time on a Saturday night when you're younger and cooler than me and could probably be doing <laughs> something. Although you did watch 95 Halloween episodes this week. Yes. So. <laughs> I did get, I did actually get invited to uh, Horror Nights at Universal, but like I will watch a horror movie, but the idea of someone coming at me with a chainsaw in real life and then people laughing at me if I'm scared by that is just insane to me. Oh, that's very bad. <laughs> I don't I don't get the appeal of it at all. I, d I don't want horror to be in my real life at all. <laughs> we should all strive to avoid that. Yeah, okay, that's what I'm saying. But so yeah, I was glad that when they invited me to Universal Horror Nights, instead of uh, saying I'm scared, I could say the cool thing of I have a podcast recording that night. <laughs> and then all you have to do is not mention which podcast and leave them thinking it might be the Doughboys. <laughs> I, I give this episode four and a half forks. Same. All right. That's it for now. They'll probably, I this will come out sometime before Halloween, which I don't know why I'm saying on mic because people are listening to it when it <laughs> after it came out. I'm just filling you in, I guess. Uh, thanks for listening and have a happy Halloween, everybody yeah. out there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. <laughs>